You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. It is officially Saturday. I'm actually recording this on Saturday. Um, I've never done this before, but I'm trying to figure out. I've got an 11-pound pork butt. The game is at three. The last time I did a pork butt and I wrapped it, it took me 17 hours. And so I thought, I can't just get up at four and have this ready. So I did an overnight thing. And I was terrified. All these pictures on Facebook of these people that somehow start their cookers on fire. They're just engulfed in flame. And I'm thinking, I mean, I cleaned my grill. Should be fine, right? But I just, I'm laying in bed thinking, man, am I going to wake up at four o'clock in the morning to find this thing engulfed in flames and the side of my house is like melted? How's this going to play out, I wonder? But alas, it was fine. Got up. Everything's looking good sitting right at the stall. I think I'm going to try to let it push through, but I'm kind of nervous that it's not going to, and I'm just going to burn the living daylights out of my, uh, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Anyways, pretty excited. Got some family coming over today, watching some Packer football. It's one of, it's it's kind of a dream, man. You know, Packer football at your house, big screen TV, got some people coming over. You get to set up the food. I made some Zupa Toscana soup last night. It's absolutely delicious. Make a little fruit salad. Probably go to the store, get some buns with that the, the pulled pork. Get some pulled pork sandwiches going. I got some Stubbs barbecue sauce. Should be a good day. Assuming I don't mess up this, <laughs> this pork too bad. But anyways, um, today, obviously, we're talking about the Packer game that's coming up. I want to kind of go through a couple things. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know how it is. Um, I did pose the question in the Facebook group. If you are not in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. I changed the name, by the way. It's Packernet Podcast Packers Fan Group. The only reason is because I want... The, the problem with Packernet is that every time you search for something, you search Packers or Green Bay Packers, and Packernet is none of those things. So even with the podcast, I started like, you know, cramming words in there, descriptions, you know, so it says Packers, Green Bay Packers, all that stuff, just so when you search for it, you can find it. But it's Packernet Podcast, Packers Fan Group. I just wanted the word Packers in there. That's it. You know, don't, you know, just leave me alone. But I did ask the question. I said, what are you wanting to see in the Packers' second preseason game? So I want to get through some of the things that y'all said. There was obviously, not surprisingly, a lot of um, the same opinions. You could almost borderline say we all kind of had the same opinion, but we'll go through it anyways. Did have a couple little news and notes things around the NFL that I wanted to touch on. I was reading a couple articles because I'm trying to... It's hard to get even caught up with what's going on um, as far as reading other sites and getting some insights in, in that capacity because of all the training camp. But I was able to kind of read a little bit yesterday. And one of the things I found interesting, the Vikings are not um, 
what was I listening to? I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and they were kind of going through the, the NFC North and looking at all their draft picks. And um, they got to the Vikings, and they were not overly impressed. I think it was it was a lockdown draft or whatever the lockdown draft thing is even called anymore. Draft dudes, I think. Whatever. And so they weren't really particularly flattering of any particular draft. You could say they were most impressed with the Packers, but were mostly upset at the opportunity cost of drafting, you know, Jordan Love, A.J. Dillon, and a bunch of guys that really aren't going to play right away when you're obviously in a uh, in all-in mode, which is which is fair. I've talked about it, I've critiqued it, I've said what I said, but I at least understand that point of view. But when he got to the Vikings, essentially what they had said is they draft a lot of guys, and that is clearly their strategy. They said they have not drafted less than eight players since like 2009 or something like that, and generally they're drafting like 10 or 12 players. They're drafting a ton of guys. Now, the problem with that is there's a limit of 53 guys. So it's not a matter of, obviously, you can't keep them all. You're just going to end up cutting more than most uh, teams. But the idea, presumably being, you just keep throwing darts because it's kind of a crapshoot, the draft anyways. And so eventually, we're going to be able to find that diamond in the rough. Unfortunately, that hasn't been working. And, and they even went through and said, you know, the hit rate has not been great. And um, as I'm going through this, it's becoming kind of evident that not everybody's really panning out the way that they had hoped. And even these battles are not going super great. And it's not just the draft, it's also free agency. You know, last year they had Yannick Ngakwe. And again, I was basically standing by myself with a lot of you who take what I say to heart. Thank you for that, for getting my back. And I hope you are appropriately rewarded by... um, you know, sounding smarter than everybody else. But the Yannick Ngakwe thing, I was standing here by myself saying, the guy's not good anymore. And everybody in the news was saying, oh, yes, he's, oh, Yannick, this defense is going to be so good because they got Yannick now. And Yannick, 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 Yannick. And they paid a massive price for a guy that is subpar. Anyways, uh, this year they went out and brought in uh, Stephen Weatherly, Stephen Weatherly, I never know. Technically brought him back. Now, he was never that good of a player, but again, the assumption was this guy's going to be, at the very least, he's going to be the starter, right? He's at least going to be a competent player that we're going to put on the other side and we don't have to worry about it. Well, apparently that's not really how that's panning out. At this point in time, it's sounding like he may actually lose his job to second-year player DJ Wonham. Now, you obviously could spin this in a positive light and say, well, obviously that just means DJ's doing so good that he's going to win the job and that's a good thing. Unfortunately, though, that's not what I'm reading. Now, I'm not there. I'm not at camp. I don't know. But it, the way that I'm reading everything and how it's phrased is that um, they're a little disappointed that Weatherly is not running away with this job and is likely going to lose the job. Similarly, it is uh, also being assumed at this particular point in time, based on preseason snaps and these kinds of things, as well as the roster that they put out, the depth chart, whatever, that their right guard going into the CD season is going to be Ali Udo. Ali Semeka Udo or Udo or whatever, Ali Udo. Again, this offensive line, and, and I keep saying they're, they're making small strides, but it's just, it's not quite good enough. So for example, they drafted Ezra Cleveland in the second round. Second round pick, tackle. The assumption is he's going to be a tackle when we get rid of our left tackle. Unfortunately, he's not. And so they're going to put him at guard. And a lot of Vikings fans have been telling me, look, he's fine as a guard. Stop worrying about Ezra. He's going to be fine. Okay, fine. I don't think he is, but we'll see what happens. So you got this second-round tackle that you drafted. He's going to play guard. We'll see how it goes. They drafted Christian Derrissaw to take that left tackle spot, so that kind of balances that out a little bit. Unfortunately, Christian Derrissaw is injured. So, I mean, you can't criticize the pick necessarily because we haven't seen him fail yet, but 
that isn't good. So they don't have their left tackle. The other tackle, Ezra, is going to play left guard. Garrett Bradbury was a first-round pick. I want to say he was like an early, like or mid-first, 15-ish, somewhere in that range. He has not at all lived up to that hype. He's fine. He's a decent scheme fit, but he's nowhere near where he should be. And then at right guard, remember, they just drafted Wyatt Davis. Now, he's a third-round pick, so maybe you don't expect a ton from him, but our second-round pick started since day one at center. Their third-round pick, according to this depth chart, is not even second-team offensive guard. And remember, that means there's at least four guards in front of him if you include left and right guard. So you got Ezra Cleveland, who they drafted in the second round, who's going to play guard. You've got uh, Ali Udo, who was a sixth-round pick in 2019, so there's no reason he should be getting that spot if, you know, whatever. Then you have Dakota Dozier, who I believe was an undrafted free agent, possibly. I don't know, but he was from the Jets. Um, Then you have Drew Samia, who was a fourth-round pick in 2019. Wyatt Davis has not even impressed enough to take over Dozier or Samia's job, much less Ali Udo's job. It's a third-round pick. I'm I'm guessing they really wanted him to step up and be the guy. And remember, Wyatt Davis was considered a first-round prospect for a long time. Obviously, the NFL disagreed. He fell to the third round, but... um, this isn't, this isn't promising, right? I mean, if, if you're a Vikings fan, and again, these things take time. He may end up being a great football player, but you'd like to get a couple big wins here. You know what I mean? If I'm a Vikings fan, give me something. You know, I mean, last year we got Justin Jefferson. That was a massive hit out of the park. But but we're, we're again, the problem with the Vikings are falling apart faster than they're able to replace. One of the things that they even talked about on this draft thing, and, and finally somebody actually gave them credit because most people in the media will say that, Outside of Aaron Rodgers, this team is trash. They even acknowledged, this is actually a really good team. And not only that, it's really young. So this team is poised. Obviously, if you don't have a good quarterback, you're not going to win a Super Bowl. But if they can fill that void absent Aaron Rodgers, there's no reason to say that this team isn't built for the future. Because for the most part, this entire team is incredibly young. Very few people in their 30s on this team. You got Mercedes Lewis, Aaron Rodgers, and I kind of think that's it. Oh, Mason Crosby, probably. Maybe some other, you know, uh, guys deeper down the depth chart, I don't know, but everybody else is sub-30, as far as I can think off the top of my head. Uh, Funchess, I think, is sub-30. I know Devontae is. Offensive line, Bakhtiari, I think 29-ish in that range. I don't know, he's not 30. Lindsley's gone. Turner's like 28, 29. That's not the case with the Vikings. And, and again, with a, so much of your talent being in their 30s, you have to get a faster hit rate. You got to be turning these guys over. And they're ta- And the problem is, and this is sort of what the Packers had with, with corner for a while, where you take so many swings at one position and you neglect other positions that are going to become a need. So for example, safety. They were so stacked at one point where they had four really good safeties. Now they've got like one. And it's Harrison Smith and he's like 400 years old. He's getting very old. They haven't allocated a ton of real high resources. Cam Bynum in the fourth round, for example. Harrison Smith was a first-round pick in 2012. But they're not doing that because they're investing in corner over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and getting zero return on it. They're investing in offensive line over and over and over and over and over and getting some return but not great return. Again, Ezra and Bradbury are relatively early round and recent picks, but they're not great football players. Brian O'Neill. He's starting. He's fine. But again, we, we that's just three early round picks in the last four years. And, and there's been plenty of others, including Wyatt Davis, including Drew Samia, um, including Christian Derisaw in the first round, right? So again, 
swing after swing after swing after swing after swing. And how's your offensive line? Do you have the best offensive line in football because you constantly use your first, second, third, fourth round picks on offensive line? No, they're still not good. And you got a quarterback leaving soon, right? And then again, free agency, we're bringing in Weatherly and he's going to lose his job, possibly. And again, after all those swing after swing after swing after swing after swing at cornerback, who are our corners? Well, we brought in Bashad Breland and Patrick Peterson. <laughs> Where's all the guys we drafted? Well, three of the early round picks we drafted, we just cut last year. One of them is going to prison, leaving us with uh, Cam Dantzler, a third round pick, who again was fine last year, but so much investment. And, and we end up bringing in two veteran guys to play corner for us. After all that investment in corner, we have to bring in Patrick Peterson and Bashad Breland. That's not great. How about third-round pick Patrick Jones off the edge? Is he playing? No. Well, it, I mean, Weatherly's not going to win the job. Wonham is a fourth-round pick. How's Patrick Jones doing? He's fourth team right now. Same with Janarius Robinson, fourth-round pick. Not even close. Jalen Holmes was a fourth-round pick. These aren't first-round picks, but neither was Daniil Hunter, who was a third-round pick. Again, it's it's mid-round investment, and we're not getting anything out of it. I had, had somebody, Mr. Negative, yesterday talk, again, just randomly. It was first thing in the morning. Um, he says, Jace is a bust or something like that. I don't know where that came from, but again, I just responded, oh, good morning to you too. But just for fun, I, I said, okay, let's see who, who the, the tight end before and after Jace are. And I, I wrote them to him and I put these two names to say, you know who these two guys are? He'd never heard of them before. And to be honest, I, one of them, I don't remember ever hearing of one of them. I barely remember. These guys have done nothing. They don't, I don't even know if they play in the NFL anymore. And if they do, they're, they're not starting. They're not playing very much. They combine for, I think, 150 yards and zero touchdowns. These two tight ends combined for less than Jays has. But again, the, the expectation is if you don't hit on these mid-round picks, third, fourth round, it's, it gets frustrating. And the Vikings just are not getting, especially when you consider, again, the quantity of the picks that they've had. It's just not, it's not great. So no, I wouldn't be super optimistic with them. Um, also in the news around the NFL, the Texans apparently are demanding three first-round picks for Deshaun Watson. I don't even know why we're discussing this. I'm, I'm so confused by this Watson thing because it's like we're just pretending that all that stuff didn't happen. Why are we pretend Like, they're like, oh, yeah, we want three first-round picks. And the, the news media is just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's going to cost three. It's not going to cost anything. It's going to cost nothing. This guy is going to go to prison. What, what are we talking about? I mean, maybe he won't. Maybe he's going to buy his way out of this. I don't know exactly how this is going to pan out, but it's it's just so weird that we're just pretending <laughs> like, oh, where's Deshaun at? That's weird. He always says he has an injury. He says his leg is hurting. That's weird. By the way, I hear uh, they want three first-round picks. I bet there's a lot of teams calling. He's going to prison. Nobody's calling. What are you talking about? What are we talking about? What is going on right now? Oh, do you think he's going to play? I wonder if he's going to play. I bet he's going to play. The FBI is having talks with him right now. The FBI, while the team is in team meetings, he's having meetings with the Houston Police Department and the FBI. He's busy right now. It's such a weird situation. Why is this just like, oh, I don't know, what, what happened? I don't know what's going on. What are you talking about? That sounds, that sounds fake. I think you made that up. No, he's going to play. It's going to be great. It's, it's Sean Watson. It's, 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 Dude, I feel like I'm in crazy land. Anyways, uh, the Jets obviously suffered several injuries. Uh, one of them was a devastating injury that is going to cost their best pass rusher the entire year. But another update on Mr. Zane Lewis. He suffered a torn patella tendon and a sprained ACL, I guess. 
See, I knew it was patellar, but they put patella. Is it patella and patellar, or did they just forget to put an R there? I know I took anatomy and physiology, but I don't remember any of that stuff. Yeah, it says, as well as spraining his ACL after being carted off. So that's not great, but anyways, just a, just a quick update there. Finally, for those of you interested, because I know we're all kind of tracking all these things and trying to gauge certain things, apparently Trey Lance, who got off to a roaring start early on, is uh, basically just lost his job. Not permanently, and maybe not even for the full year, but he has gone downhill rapidly. And um, it's just funny, too, because you have so many people that talk a big game early on. You know what I mean? I mean you had, uh, so Zach Wilson was struggling in camp, and you could say he still is. He actually started doing quite a bit better. He had a great preseason, um, and then he went up against the Packers where they had no offensive line, and we were just in his face all day long. So yeah, he didn't, he didn't manage that well. He was sacked, I think, what did I say, 12 times in two practices? I mean, imagine that. These practices aren't even games. They're not full games. If it's a two-hour practice, how many snaps does he actually get? 30, maybe? And 12 of those they counted as sacks? So, yeah. But anyways, um, people were laughing about the fact and and the the common phrase, and again, maybe Trey's going to be great, but the common phrase you saw from everybody and a lot of blue check marks and whatnot was, can you believe somebody actually took Zach Wilson before Trey Lance? It's like, well, again, these are the kinds of tweets that I want to wait until we actually know something. And before a first preseason game even happened, those tweets were coming out. Now those people are gone. Anyways, here is a quote uh, for the 49ers. It says, This was one of Trey Lance's last big opportunities to take a big step towards the starting job in week one. And safe to say that didn't happen. Zero snaps with the first team and second team offensive line has trouble protecting him. By the way, in that first preseason game, I know I said it before, but out of 65 quarterbacks that started any amount of time, Zach Wilson was sixth and uh, Trey Lance was 58th. He was below Kurt Bankert. So again, for those of you tracking that, don't expect... If if you're thinking about drafting Trey Lance or something, probably just don't. Unless you're in a massive two-quarterback league or whatever. I, I No, don't, don't do that. You can take him as your third quarterback, as a backup quarterback in a two-quarterback league, so that when he takes over, you get all the rushing yards if you want. But just, it's not going great. Which again is further perspective on Jordan Love, who gets no respect. We've talked about it before. I'm not going to go on another rant, but it's like... Trey Lance is automatically going to be great. We already know he's going to be great. Trevor Lawrence is going to be great. Justin Fields 100% is going to be great. Jordan Love played better than all three of those guys. The only two he didn't play better than are the only other two that are not getting any respect in this um, process, and that's Zach Wilson and um, Mac Jones, who I believe graded out in the 90s from two days ago when he played again. Had an elite grade. Two very good games in a row. Anyways, let's take a look at what some of y'all had to say. Uh, Billy says, so the, the question was, what are you wanting to see in the Packers' second preseason game? Billy says, more Eric Stokes, more A.J. Dillon, and get out healthy. Um, I don't know if I could summarize my thoughts any better than that. <laughs> um, somebody did, uh, what is it, Jason Kruger or something like that? Somebody sent me the video. Um, he does a lot of film breakdown type stuff. <sighs> Anyways, whatever. I'll, I'll leave my thoughts to myself. But anyways, he did a video on Eric Stokes, and it was kind of encouraging. But the, the biggest issue was, and he even kind of said, we didn't get to see a lot from him. But he did notice that the, the, the one big takeaway was makeup speed, right? He played a ton of zone, and when the guy cut, you know, five yards in front of him, he was able to gain. Now, probably not fast enough to actually break up a pass, but fast enough to possibly break up a pass and definitely be there to bring the guy down right away. Blazing fast speed. 
and that's that's kind of cool. We'll see what else. But yeah, I would love to get more uh, snaps from Mr. Eric Stokes. In that last game, we saw 13 snaps. Um, you know, I, I, for a guy that they're very seriously consider, considering starting over Kevin King, I think he needs to get more snaps. But I kind of wanted to wait to talk about this, but there is a balance between reps and availability, right? Reps, availability, and evaluation are kind of the three things all built into preseason, and, and how you balance those things is a heck of a del- delicate balance. And so you look at Eric Stokes and you talk about those three things. Well, where are we in terms of evaluation and, and deciding do we start him or Kevin King? Right. And then the two most important things are reps, which is he needs more playing time, like live game time playing time. But then there's also availability. We how how badly do we want reps in comparison to our need for him to be healthy? It's a heck of a tough balance. Because if he gets hurt, that sucks a lot. Right. So obviously guys like Aaron Rodgers the value of reps compared to availability is not even close, right? The, the the value of reps is, it's not zero, but it's pretty close because he's been training and he's such a veteran and he'll be fine. You could use him. It would be beneficial. If you could guarantee he'd be healthy, he'd be out there getting reps because it does matter. But in comparison to how badly we need him for the season and, and the risk of, of being injured, it's not even close. And so that's the balance you're trying to strike. And obviously Eric Stokes being a starting cornerback, at least to some degree, possibly whatever, incredibly valuable and we really would like him to be able to play but he's a rookie and he needs repetitions same with I mean same with Josh Myers and they only gave him 15 reps so it's very similar to Eric Stokes right you need the reps but we also need you off the field so that you can play so it'll be interesting to see if they they jack those up that is kind of a big question is how our team's going to handle these three preseasons as far as letting guys start how much they let guys start you know some of these teams have had um, their starting quarterbacks play right out of the gate. And obviously the Packers have said, nope, you're not doing that at all. And I'm fine with that decision. I under- Maybe you come out to a slow start, but d- does it really matter? Because you're going to have that random week six where it's like Rodgers didn't play well, right? So, I mean, that stuff happens where you have kind of bad days because maybe it increases the, the probability of him having a slow start. Maybe when you know there's going to be a couple days where he has slow starts anyways, just, just leave it alone. I, I just, I don't know. I don't care. It's... It's just not interesting to me, I guess. But again, for guys like Myers, guys like Amari Rogers, guys like uh, A.J. Dillon even, Jordan Love, they got to get the reps. And yeah, A.J. Dillon, we, we just haven't really seen him. I don't think we're going to see him very much because he's still nursing an injury, I guess. And again, there's that whole availability thing. We, we want our number one and number two running backs ready to go. Um, but a, again, A.J. Dillon is, is a little bit more iffy because he does need those opportunities. I mean, he just still has not... Despite being in year two, there was no training camp. There was no preseason last year where he had real good opportunities to learn. And then in the regular season, he didn't touch the ball very often at all, aside from the Titans game. And then this year, during the regular season, or the the training camp, he hasn't had a lot of opportunities because he's been injured. And they've been more focused, I think, on evaluating the other number three guys. Um, So he needs it. So... My guess is you are going to see an uptick from Eric Stokes, somewhere in the 20s, like 25 reps or something. A.J. Dillon, I don't know if he's going to play. I would I would borderline say he's not going to. I know he's been back out there as of the last practice, so maybe they'll give him a couple, but I just, I don't know. Uh, Nico says he wants to see Jordan Love, but most importantly, no injuries. Again, obviously no injuries is the most important thing. He did put a crying face next to Jordan Love, implying he fully understands he's not going to play, but that's what he wants to see. And I get it. It's... I'm still, still mad that he didn't get to play beyond the second half because I really think he would have done what Justin Fields did, come out against the next team 
defense, which is not generating as much pressure. And as we learned, the offensive line played much better now that you had Royce Newman and some of these other guys out there that were doing a better job, giving him more time, his guys possibly being a little bit more open because we kept some of the same guys out there and they would have started pulling some of their starters because they were playing their starters kind of late. He would have just had a better opportunity to go out and put some more stats and some more stuff out there, but it didn't happen. And now it seems like it's not going to happen here again. Um, I've been very excited. There's not going to be four preseason games, but for the first time, I'm starting to be upset about it because I don't know how much love Jordan Love is going to get <laughs> in the uh, in the preseason at all. I'm hoping by preseason week three, he's getting three quarters, but I don't know. We'll see. He and he still might. They, they didn't officially rule him out, but it sounds like uh, they're going to be a little extra cautious with him. And if he does go out, I'm thinking at the most a quarter. They might even pull like an Aaron Rodgers with him and say you do one series and you get out of there. But more than likely, he just won't play. Mr. Michael Gardner says, very excited that they're showing this game in the San Francisco Bay Area. Looking out for Stokes, Love, Kiki, Rogers, and Slayton. So I actually did. I got to go get it out of my car. I forgot. I printed off the uh, the roster, and I sorted it by the numbers, because I really want to be able to quickly reference who the heck is who out there. Because especially at this time, I just I have a hard time keeping it together in my mind. Right? During the regular season, I have a better idea, and I think it's because a lot of the numbers are a little bit more spread out. You know, so you see 41 out there, you kind of just know who it is. You see 44 out there, you know who it is. You see 21, you know who that is. But during the preseason, it's like 41, 42, 43, 44. It's like, wait, is that is that Orin or no? That's Ty Summer. No, come on, um, shoot, I should know this. That's that's me the whole preseason. So I just I got the sheet out and I'm just gonna quickly reference and be like, boom, Orin Burke's at it again, right? If I want to see, you know, where's Kiki out there. Or if I just want to see who the defensive line is, as quickly as this goes and as quick as I'm going to get that quick camera shot of the defensive line and then they're going to snap it, I want to know, like, okay, that's that's Slayton and Kiki out there. Got it. I don't know. I do good enough. Again, I do good enough with the numbers where regular season, I got it. But at this time, there's and they're rotating guys in and out so fast, I can't keep up. So I, I got that thing printed out and ready for, for the game. Uh, again, yeah, Stokes. It'd be nice to see him kind of get engaged in some kind of way. Um, seeing that that uh, Kruger or whatever breakdown makes me really want to go get Game Pass, and I may just do that today, although I, I have to pay for, um, I think, two different PFF subscriptions this month, so it's going to get a little pricey this month. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Thank you for your support. We've got YouTube TV. Game Pass is 100 bucks. YouTube TV is like 60 PFF. Elite is like 200 and I think the college one is another 100 so that's 300 400 about 450 460 almost $500 I got to pay this month. So patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Thank you for your support once again. Uh, Jordan Love again, probably not going to play. Kingsley Kiki, he definitely needs to have, not necessarily, I guess it doesn't matter if he has a super great preseason, but I mean, it's a huge year for him. And there was a lot of hype early on about how he's looking, especially from his defensive line coach saying he's fully expecting him to take a big jump. Um, I don't know 100% if he's going to play. He did not play at all last week. I don't know if it was due to injury or what exactly the situation was or how he's doing now. Deleted all my notes, and you know how I just memory dump stuff. So I'm sure I've read the notes to you 700 times, and hopefully you remember because I don't. I just forgot forgot everything. But, um, yeah, it'd be nice to see him get a couple reps and kind of see where he's at. And then uh, he says Amari Rogers and so, again, the, the, the issue with Amari is – he didn't do as well as far as, you know, route running, getting open down the field kind of stuff. However, the the quick behind the line of scrimmage type stuff is what he's going to excel at. 
and anything outside of a screen, I don't think the Packers are going to be doing, especially without Love out there. And they didn't do it a ton with Love, but I think if they were going to try it and try to expand into doing some more advanced motion type stuff, they would probably want to do it with Love out there. With Bankert out there, I really don't think they're going to be doing a whole lot of that kind of stuff. The misdirection. So I think Amari's going to be doing a lot of what he did last week, which is go on the slot, run a route, try to get open, and we'll see what happens. Obviously, he should be able to win with that, but his biggest asset is going to be yards after the catch. So scheme him open, whether it's a quick slant or a screen or whatever the case may be, and see what he can do once he's got the ball in his hands. Turn five yards into 10 yards. We'll see what they decide to do with that. Again, it's preseason, and they're really just trying to get distribute the ball around and evaluate and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if scheming um, Rodgers open is going to be the number one priority, but it would be nice to see a little bit of that. Then there are obviously Slayton, who had a, a good week last week, just doing his, his one job, which is taking on double teams. There was a video somebody posted, I think, on Twitter of, I don't know if it was a double team or not, I don't think so, but he's, he's fighting with a guy and was able to basically not only hold him off and hold his spot, but it's one of those things, and this is exactly what you want a defensive lineman, especially a nose tackle type defensive lineman to be able to do. As you're being pushed, you just reach that big old bear paw out there and you grab the guy and you tackle him as you're being blocked by a 320-pound offensive guard or center or whatever it is. That's crazy. Uh, Justin Connor says, DeGuara in passing, blocking, and running, see some of the ways they plan to utilize him in tight end H-back roles. Yeah, so again, he's kind of similar to Amari, maybe even more so, where he's going to be utilized in a very intellectual capacity, and I think that's this offense is probably going to be very dumbed down. So um, the, the extent to which he's going to be used, I think will largely be simplified. So he will be blocking and he will be running routes. I don't know that there's going to be a ton of, of misdirection type stuff, but but maybe as far as like lining up all, all all different places and then motioning and all that. But yeah, at the end of the day, you're blocking and you're running routes, right? That's that's really all you're doing. So hopefully he can hold his own. And again, that's assuming he's healthy enough to play because he's been uh, been dinged up quite a bit. Mr. Dalton Erickson says, a blowout. Wilson interception uh, intercepted two to three times where they pull him to save faith. He says, on a serious note, I guess better play from special teams than J.K. Scott, the two biggest needs on the team right now in my book. Yeah, special teams is... Uh, is a massive blight. And it really is important. And, and again, there's it's another tough balancing act of, you know, we're going to take it seriously, but also we don't really want to expend <laughs> our valuable resources on it. So it's not that serious. But I tell you what, you, you you keep playing from a negative field position standpoint. In other words, you're starting at the 25 every time or worse, and they're starting at the 35. It's it's a tough game. It's it's tough to win that way when they keep having a better field advantage than you do because your your punting is not good enough, your kickoffs are not good enough, your return is not good enough, your coverage is not good enough. It's just it's not good, man. And again, last week did not inspire a lot of confidence. Not only did the players look as bad as ever, but um, you had your special teams coach, you know, getting caught on camera looking around like, oh, oh, sorry, I didn't hear you, or or whatever. Like, come on, man. Not not good. Uh, Burke Fengler says, nobody injured. I don't care about preseason. It's just reps. This is kind of where I wanted to interject a little bit. Again, it's it's not just reps. If it was just reps, our starters would be out there. It's I think mostly it's evaluation. And so that's why I do care about the preseason because it's not a practice. It's, a, it's, a, it's reps for some and it's evaluation for most. And so it has implications as far as um, who makes the team and who doesn't. I mean, obviously, again, this is what they're basing the majority of their information on. But yeah, clearly, again, the most important thing is getting out. I mean, if if they get blown out 
and everybody buddy plays kind of horribly or, or for some reason the they don't get a ton of, of good evaluation kind of like last week with the offensive line play being so bad it's hard to evaluate your running backs your quarterback your wide receivers because the quarterback is just under duress because your offensive line is so terrible obviously you can evaluate the offensive line but it makes evaluation tough bottom line even in that environment as long as you're healthy I'm happy right? Kind of sucks. Wish we could have seen a little bit more. And some of these guys maybe would have had good games and now they're going to get cut because we couldn't see it. Whatever. As long as you're healthy, good enough. Uh, Jay Newell says, a better picture of what our offensive line depth offers. We generally know what our starters will give us, but what if Elton and Myers gets injured early on? Yeah, that has been one of the more interesting things. And again, I like a lot of the guys we got. I was a little disappointed that some of the guys we feel like we should be able to trust, like Runyon, who we feel like can start and will be fine, or Lucas Patrick, who we feel like could start and will be fine, took a giant step back. And I'm very excited about Royce Newman, but you got to remember also, he came out later against presumably lesser talent. So now he's going to be going up against more starters. Is he going to be able to maintain that level of play, or is he just going to get wrecked just like the other guys did? And even if he does hold up well, it's kind of the Jets that are who are not good and also banged up right now. So there's still going to be a question. I mean, he, he's got to do really well because... You know, the New Orleans Saints offensive line is going to be a different animal. It's going to be much more ferocious than what you're getting out of the New York Jets and backup Houston Texans. So again, this is where evaluation really comes in. Not just did you win, but I mean, down to every footstep and everything that you're doing and and what you're doing with your feet and what you're doing with your hands, it's got to be on point because you're going up against real animals week one. Again, I've, I've been confident about week one because they're missing so much, specifically a, uh, a quarterback or at least a competent one. But um, this could be a real sticking point if we don't have this figured out. And again, the, the assumption is, well, at the very least, we're fine with uh, Patrick and Runyon for now until Bakhtiari comes back. But again, those guys got wrecked and got demoted more so than I think anyone else got promoted. So yeah, there, there's there's a lot of questions, and, and I think it is a good offensive line, but I'm still curious about the starters and the quality of starters that we have. But yeah, I'm also concerned, or not even concerned slash excited slash curious about backups and how deep of the, the backup group can be. So I think the better, the, the, the point is we need to see a better outing, right? Because last week was just disappointing. And it's like, it's the first week back and we know Lucas can hold his own. We know John can hold his own. But we got to see it because we went from having a real good starting offensive line and some some promising backup to, I don't know, our starting offensive line might be kind of rough and uh, we'll see if we have any backups. So that's that's maybe my biggest thing that I would like to see or, or feel like we need to see, and that is a better outing from our offensive line because until Bakhtiari comes back, we're going to have a little bit of patchwork to do. And, and look, Elton's a good football player. But I don't necessarily know that he's going to be automatic as a left tackle, especially going up against some of the better pass rushers. I don't know exactly uh, if the Saints are going to have anyone too tough off the left side. I know their primary pass rusher is going to be going up against our right tackle, who unfortunately I believe is going to be Billy Turner. So that could be an absolute nightmare. We'll see. But anyways, yeah, definitely need to see a better outing um, from our offensive line this week today. Roger Davis says no injuries. Again, right on point. Jeff Nelson says, special teams locking things down and no injuries. And Gerard Collins, special teams improvement, DeGuara, Stokes, and more solid all O-line play. Most importantly, no injuries. So again, we're all kind of on the same page. A couple things that weren't mentioned. Um, I don't know that I super care about the quarterback play, other than, again, for the sake of evaluation, you need guys to be able to do their job. It's hard to evaluate wide receivers if he's not throwing properly. 
making proper reads, whatever. Maybe not for the coaches. If you're open, you're open. But I'd like to be able to see some stuff. Um, nobody really mentioned running back. Um, again, better offensive line play. Hopefully we get a better picture of, uh, you know, somebody mentioned A.J. Dillon, but obviously Dexter, Patrick Taylor, and Kylan Hill. Kylan Hill seems to have locked up the number three spot, um, but Patrick Taylor has shown a lot. And remember, Dexter was the only one that did anything last week. And, you know, again, he's kind of being written off. I understand it. He hasn't been shining as much in training camp, and the Packers clearly have, have moved Kylan all the way up. He's getting all the, the starting reps with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones hurt. Um, but I just, I'd like to see it. I think it would be kind of, kind of cool to see. A lot of talk about Josiah DeGuara, but don't forget Jay Sternberger. Um, obviously Josiah is the guy I'm most excited about, but I think Jace is a guy that really needs to show something. It's another dynamic. It's kind of similar to MVS in terms of, you know, the team's fine if he doesn't break out, but if he does, it just adds this whole other dynamic that's really exciting. It's the same with Jace. If you get Jace, who's kind of a Tunyon style tight end, I mean, he's, he's largely going to just be a receiving tight end. You put him in the slot. You let him run down the field. You got a situation where you got Tunyon and Sternberger, and you can put them on on the end of the, the line, right? Put them both on the end, or put one on the end and one in the in the slot. Again, it just provides. It's not going to be every single time, but it's just another dynamic. What do you do with two receiving tight ends, right? And so you can put Tunyon and Jace, uh, and that's one look. You can put Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis, and that's another look. You can put Tunyon and Deguara. You can put Jace and Deguara. You can put Jace and Mercedes. And there's all these different combinations where you have two tight ends. You could possibly put three, especially if you've got DeGuara in at H-back. So essentially sort of the fullback role. And you could just just put him at fullback. And, you know, you got Mercedes on one side or, or whatever, right? So it gives you all these different things. But it's just a matter of can Jace do the job? Because it's not just a matter of let's put him out there and then it's like, ooh, what are they going to do? If you can't execute, it doesn't mean anything. But if you can execute, you put the defense in a position where they're in a real tough spot trying to figure out what to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, we can get excited about Kafusi and Daphne and, and whatever, but ultimately it's, it's going to be, we know Josiah is going to have a big role if he's healthy. We know Tunyon's going to have a big role. We know Mercedes is going to have a big role. Is Jace going to step up and be another one of the guys going to be another asset for this team? And remember Tunyon was kind of just garbage in his first two years and year three, he completely broke out. We should at least afford Jace the, the same, um, opportunity. I don't know what the word is. We should understand that he can do that as well. Tell you what, I want to go check on the roast and uh, do some other stuff real quick. Why don't we take a break right here? I know it's kind of an awkward stopping point, but we're almost 40 minutes in and I got a lot more to get to and I don't want to do a break and then three minutes of podcast and then we're done. So we'll take a break. Once again, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can jump in for as little as a dollar a month. It helps me out tremendously. Also the Palmer Home for Children. If you'd like to support that charity, that would be uh, fantastic. Palmer Home houses six children. There's eight total people in the home, including the parents. And these are children in need who just need a more stable environment. Um, They bring these children in and take care of them and um, just give them a much better environment than they were in. We are, as a uh, Packernet podcast community, over $2,000. In total, uh, Malcolm Reed, who started this, is at $26,047. And um, right now, I specifically, in the rankings of who's raised the most money, one, two, three, four, five, sixth place, and again, um, need to be in fifth place. If, if I get to fifth place, I get to take a trip down to uh, see Malcolm Reed, spend the day with him, cook out, all that fun stuff. Again, that's not the number one thing, but it's it would be kind of cool to be able to do that. But uh, right now, $120 away from fifth place. And about $500 away from, from fourth place, if just, just to show you how 
It's an intense competition, let's just say that. But we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Packernet Podcast. Continuing on, I um, already talked quite a bit about the offensive line. Again, there's there's a whole lot going on here. Um, the difference between a really good offensive line and a really bad offensive line is a pretty thin line at this point. Um, right tackle Billy Turner, we've kind of forgot about, but there are quite a few questions. And unfortunately, we don't really have a lot of options. The only possible thing I could see is Based on how well and how many guards we have, remember, you got John Runyon, you got Lucas Patrick, you got Ben Braden, you got uh, Royce Newman right now. So we got four that they're trying to cycle through. Is it possible when David Bakhtiari comes back that they say, we're just going to put Elton Jenkins at right tackle because Billy Turner's doing such a terrible job, kick him into guard, and then put whoever this other guy is at left guard? And then you'll have that situation where Billy Turner is sort of your backup tackle, and you got all these other guys as backup guards. I don't know. Again, I know the Packers love Billy Turner, so I'm not anticipating him really going anywhere. I don't know why, because statistically he's not done a great job, but they like him. Um, there are some other guys, you know, it's not really a matter of starters, right? The only guy that can crack the starter job really is Cole, uh, excuse me, Royce Newman. But as far as, as was alluded to, trying to figure out what we have in backups, um, guys like Jake Hansen, guys like Cole Van Lannen, guys like uh, Coy Cronk, Dennis Kelly... Uh, Yash, uh, Yash Nyman or whatever, our boy Yoshi. Apparently, despite him giving up the one, um, the one big play, graded out kind of well. So big day for him, especially considering he's a tackle. Um, that's a little bit more of a scant position in terms of how many guys we have that can legitimately start at tackle. 
Uh, wide receiver wasn't really brought up a ton outside of Amari Rodgers, but we got a lot of other uh, things to consider. First of all, is MVS going to play at all? And if he does, is he going to continue what he's been doing? Is he, are we going to see anything from that? Are we going to get anything from Lazard or Cobb? Um, is Funches going to continue to dominate? Is anybody else going to crack this? Because again, remember, Devontae's a lock, MVS is a lock, Lazard is a lock, Randall Cobb is a lock, Funches is a borderline lock at this point, and Amari Rodgers is a lock. That's six wide receivers. I haven't even included Equinemius St. Brown. So between Equinemius, Malik Taylor, uh, Juwan Winfrey, Reggie Begleton, and the rest of these guys, is there any hope for anybody else to crack this? I kind of feel like there's not. I mean, we would need to keep seven wide receivers just to be able to keep one more guy, and that includes Equinemius. No, I don't, I don't know necessarily that I would call Devin a lock, but I mean, he's again, he's clearly better than the rest of these guys. The only reason they'd get rid of him is to say, it's not really worth the value we're paying you, which is not very much money. All right, if Devin Funches was making five, six million, then it would be like, all right, maybe we move on just because we don't need a six million dollar number six wide receiver. So on one hand, you say, well, we really need to see what we get out of these wide receivers. On the other hand, it's like, do we really? I mean, how many jo- how many jobs are open? I don't know. Uh, defensively, again, would love to see Kingsley Kiki if they're going to put him out there. Kenny, I almost say that there's almost no question he's not going to be out there. Uh, same with Dean. I don't know if he's going to be out there very much. Um, Dean and Tyler have kind of been going back and forth with a little bit of injuries. However, TJ Slayton would love to see plenty of TJ. Um, for a big guy that usually doesn't play a lot of snaps, he played more than you would expect in a regular season game. He had 46 snaps. That's an insane amount of playing time, even in like a regular season game. So, I mean, for a guy that's 340 to play 46 snaps is pretty wild to me. Now, it probably has a lot to do with them holding a ton of people out, but that's a ton. That's a ton of evaluation. So we'll see if they do that again, if they want to kind of put them out there for that same. I got so many tabs. I'm clicking around like a psychopath trying to find the right thing. But that's a, a massive amount of evaluation. Um, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see if they'll do it again. I'd love to give him some more reps and some more opportunities because again, I think for TJ, it is kind of about reps, right? When you, again, you look at those two bars, as far as how important is reps compared to availability, he needs reps as far as how devastating is it if he gets hurt? Not that you want anybody to get hurt. You want to protect everybody, but it's not as devastating if TJ Slayton gets hurt because probably without those reps, he's not super valuable right now. And that's what they've even been saying through training camp and all that stuff is he just needs more reps. He needs more opportunities. That's what they're giving him a ton. He's playing as much as like a safety (laughs) at 340 pounds along the defensive line. Uh, Jack Heflin's been making a heck of a name for himself. Again, the guy just came out of nowhere and is just making plays. Otherwise, you got Pavilion, Avery, and Kemp. Uh, we've seen like one or two notes from Pavilion. I don't know if I've seen hardly anything from Kemp or Avery. But, um, you know, I mean, you, you generally want a lot of defensive linemen. And um, although we maybe just have our six, if we're keeping six, between Lowry, Clark, Kiki, Lancaster, Slayton, and Heflin, um, I think there's opportunities. Those three definitely need to step up. Um, pass rushers, again, I'm not really expecting much. I know they're not going to put Zadarius out there. Um Preston, I don't know. Maybe a little bit. I mean, as far as he's not injured, it's just a matter of do they want to protect him again or not. Uh, And then Rashawn, it would be lovely to see him go out there. And I think they would if he was 100% healthy. But being that he's a little bit injured, I don't don't know if they're going to do that. Um, Definitely don't need this much evaluation for our outside linebackers because there's not that many of them and there's four quarters to play. I mean, you got Garvin, you got Scott, you got Galea, and you got Rivers. 
Um, by the way, Rivers is the one guy that's really kind of stood out. Uh, typical Leia has done a good job occasionally, but again, there's so much risk with a guy that that's, that is that small. So it would be nice to see Rashawn get out there a little bit. Give him like one series. I just want to see him just rip by some people. Um, inside linebacker might be the most exciting because again, at this point, it's still speculation. It may have just been a coincidence. Uh, linebackers had a good day, but again, it's, we never had that coincidence with Pettin. I don't think there was ever one time where, where you looked at it and said the linebackers are the biggest asset on this team. Um, all the linebackers are the highest graded defenders for the most part. We never accidentally had that. So it's just a preseason game. We'll see how it goes. But um, I mean, to have a guy like Oren Burks, who's never really played well, shine to that degree. I mean, I don't remember seeing a linebacker play that well for the Green Bay Packers in a long time. And it's one of the worst linebackers. I hate to even say it, but it's just a reality. He's been that bad. And Ty Summers also has been terrible. He's never hardly done anything in terms of how he's graded out ever. And he did great. I thought he had a great game. We're hearing a lot of good reports about Devondre Campbell in camp. Um, would love to be able to see a little bit of that. I haven't seen a ton from Chris Barnes or heard a lot about Chris Barnes, but we'll see. Kamal, um, I think, has been battling some injuries. It'd be nice to see what he can do. But in general, um, as much as it's about evaluation, I just want to see if this is for real. Like if, if those, those blitzes by the linebackers are so pretty. It reminds me of Minnesota. You know, the way that those guys are always cheating up. They're always risking, uh, threatening to bring the linebackers, and they're successful when they do, which again, Pettin could not figure that out. He would bring guys just to bring guys, but there was never really a, a plan, and if there was a plan, it was never executed properly in terms of giving them somewhere to go because it was just a pile of guys, and you'd bring a, a corner or a safety or a linebacker, and they just smash into their own guys, and we've done nothing. But with this, there's always just this wide open hole, and I'm assuming that's, that's schemed, that's planned. You have your guys do a certain thing so that the expectation is there should be an alley for our guy to run through. There's, I mean, it's just everybody just seemed perfectly spaced. And maybe that's more on the defensive line and their ability, whether it's Joe Barry or these defensive linemen doing a good job with them. But having them spaced out properly, that's, I mean, if you if you think about what good defenses do, yeah, they, they penetrate and they swarm and they do all that stuff and that's great. But it's really just about every hole is filled and there's just nowhere to go. And with the Packers, you saw that where there was really just every gap was filled by the defensive line, but there's one spot to go. And a, as the running, running back is going through that hole, there's an unblocked linebacker just flying to and through that hole and he just brings him down. We just didn't see that a lot with Patton. It just, it just seemed like a lot of bodies smashing into stuff and you kind of hope that somebody grabbed him as he ran through this hole or that they smashed into the, the offensive line so hard there just wasn't a hole. But it didn't seem super methodical. And just seeing how methodical this looks with the outside linebackers, with the defensive line, and then how the linebackers, the off-ball linebackers, the inside linebackers fit into that, it just seemed organized and neat and methodical, and it worked. And so I just, I just want to see a continuation of that. And again, hopefully, again, we see something from Campbell, from Barnes, from Burks, or from Summers in particular, because if they completely fall off, if you see Oren Burks was the lowest graded defender, then it's going to be like, ah, shoot, I guess maybe it was not a real thing. I don't know. Corners, we're not going to see Jair, um, probably won't see King. But considering this is a 50-50 competition, if he's healthy, I think it would uh, behoove him or be good for him if he was out there. If, if he's healthy and they hold him out, it, it tells me, telegraphs to me, that he's the starter, right? I mean, because otherwise, why, why are you so protective of him? Give him the reps. Give him the opportunity to win his job. I mean, that's not fair if he's in a 50-50 competition and you say you don't have the opportunity to win your job or lose your job for that matter. But um, Yadam... 
Isaac Yadam, hopefully get a chance to see him. A lot of Eric Stokes would be great. Again, love to see his his uh, opportunities go up. Like to see a, a step from Shamar Jean Charles. Some good stuff, but obviously um, kind of got picked on a little bit. Seen a ton of good stuff from Ento. Just love to be able to, to see that continue. Kadar, I think, is being left in the dust right now. Um, he's kind of the odd man out. He, mostly when you hear his name, it's not a, a good thing. It's, it's sort of a negative thing. So it'd be great to see him kind of step up a little bit. Savage and Amos, I have no expectation of seeing anything from them. But again, some of these backup safeties, especially Innis Gaines, tons of, of great. I mean, every training camp, he's got a pass breakup or a pick or something. A preseason game, he was great. Um, but also Henry Black, you've heard some good stuff about. Um, so we'll see. I mean, the other cool thing about all this stuff we're going through is I really like our starters, and we're starting to backfill the depth. And that's exciting. And we'll see how this actually materializes, right? But again, the offensive line, it's not just we got the starters and hopefully nobody gets hurt because the depth isn't great. The depth is starting to backfill, right? The uh, running back situation, whereas Aaron Jones was really good. Dexter was, or not Dexter, um, Jamal was good, not great. I mean, you wouldn't want him to be your starting running back. Now we have Aaron Jones, who's amazing. A.J. Dillon, who I feel like we'd be okay if he was our starting running back. And we might have a star in Kylan Hill. Obviously, that's premature, but again, it's it's very unusual to see the things we're seeing from Kylan Hill, namely just being handed the number three job basically on a silver platter right now. The wide receivers, again, there's really no competition because there's no room. It's basically all full. Defensive line, it's it's mostly just do we have some stars in these backups in Slayton and, and Heflin? Because we know we like Lancaster, at least for certain things. Kingsley is the biggest question mark in terms of if he can take a step, this is going to be a great defensive line. Uh, Kenny and Dean. Linebacker, again, we got to see what we have. I don't know if we even, we, we might not have starters. We might have starters and backups. I don't really know what it is right now. Outside linebacker is the one area where we're really starved for depth. We just don't really have it. I mean, granted, Rashawn technically is depth right now, and he's he's fine. Fine. He's, he's, he's not a concern. But outside of that, outside of the, the top three, it really plummets. But, but again, um, corner, um, I, we have at least three. S- uh, safety, we have at least our starting two. And again, Innis Gaines and Henry Black have been solid. Will Redmond has, has played a significant amount already. In the slot, we have not only Chandon Sullivan, who is fine. We got Shamar, who maybe isn't the greatest, but you like that he's able to kind of be there. It's not You don't think it's going to be super devastating if he goes out. Um, otherwise, again, as we talked about special teams, you just want to see J.K. Scott have a good day. You just want to see Mason Crosby have a good day. You want to see Hunter finally have a good day and uh, the coverage in returning to have something there. It's pretty much it. But um, anyways, I think that's enough for today. I've got some stuff to do. Probably should run to the store. I don't even know if I have a cooler to hold this thing. I want to hold it until the uh, the game starts. We'll see. We'll see when it even finishes, but um, I might need to be holding this for several hours. Pushing through that stall, man. I was just about an hour ago, uh, went from 160 to 170. But I hope you guys have a great Saturday. Be sure to check out um, the Facebook pages. I don't know exactly, I don't know what to do with those, but I'm contemplating possibly, depending depending on uh, if the family sticks around or not, jumping down and and going on um, tomorrow for like a post-game live stream kind of thing. So if you're interested in that, um, it's really only interesting if people are there and they're interactive and they're talking to me because... Otherwise, it's kind of just a waste of time. So ideally, it's going to be one of these things where a bunch of people are there and just want to talk football, and we can just do that. Uh, But if it's going to be five people who are just staring at me, waiting for me to talk, it's probably not going to work super great. So just be on the lookout for that. If there's any kind of a notification thing you can set to 
to go see when I go live or whatever. That would be great and helpful and all that. But you folks have yourselves a great Saturday. I will talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.